third third aliyah shlishi as it's known numbers chapters 26 verse 52 and in this portion of the parsha we have the division of the land we have the counting of the tribe of levi and we have the wonderful story of the daughters of tzlafchad and their request for a portion of the land let's dive right in verse 52 god spoke to moses saying to these shall you divide shall shall you divide the land apportion the land the word the root here is means a portion to these shall you apportion the land to these people as an inheritance with the number of names now what is the verse why is it to these says rashi that the torah had just counted the jewish people but only those who were 20 and above if they were younger than 20 at this counting they are not included in the division of the land even says rashi if they would turn 20 before the land was actually divided as rashi explains it took seven years for them to conquer the land and then seven years to divide it nevertheless if you were younger than 20 at this point before they even entered the land you would not receive a portion in the land so it was only this six hundred thousand um and 601,000 people who are counted here that are counted as uh, going into the calculation of how much land each each tribe would get and each family would get. Verse 54. To a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance. And to a smaller tribe you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each person shall be given an inheritance according to to his number. Rashi tells us that although this this verse is telling us that it's, a, it's going according to a logical reasoning, if you got a bigger tribe, smaller tribe, etc. Nevertheless, Rashi says that there was a divine intervention um, assistance in how the land was divided. As we'll see, the verse tells us that it was done via a goral. A goral is a lottery. And the lottery was working according to the divine word. And as Rashi says, citing from the Talmud in tractate Baba Basra, that Elazar the Kohen, he was wearing the garments of the high priesthood, which included the Urim Vitumim, which had the divine name of God in it, and that was behind the Choshen, the breastplate. And he would say, Beruach HaKodesh, with... Um, Ruach HaKodesh means divine spirit. It's a, a type of a, a prophecy. So inspired with this Urim Vitumim, he would say, um, they, would, they would put in the, their, the hand into the, as Rashi explains, they put, they put the names of all the tribes into a box. Then they would put all of the territories, they divided the land into 12 territories, they put that into the box, and they would have each tribe come forward and um, and pull out two 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 notes, and miraculously it would come out with the name of their tribe and the portion that they would receive. Plus, 
there was a, there was a um, the lot itself would say, "I am the lot drawn for such and such territory and for such and such a tribe." As as the well, the verse is going to come later. It says, "Alpi hagoral," according to the lottery, but literally it means "alpi hagoral," according to the mouth of the lottery. And as Rashi explains, that really to be taken really literally, that it will, the the lot the lot itself would announce this. So, and I think that the reason. Um, I mean, it seems kind of obvious. The reason for that is, obviously, when the land is being divided, it's like when you have with the little kids and you cut up the birthday cake, he got a bigger piece, he got a bigger piece. So here, you want to make sure that all of the tribes are happy with their lot and not going to accuse uh, Yoshua or Lazar, anybody for um, you know favoring one tribe over the other. So the fact that there's this very divinely inspired way that it is being given, it's very clear that this is a heavenly division that would help to keep everybody happy. Verse 55. Only through Lot shall the land be apportioned. They shall inherit it according to the names of the father's tribes. Again, this is what Rashi is already explaining in the earlier verse, that although it's being divided uh, by who has a bigger, who has a smaller tribe, there is a divine intervention here with this goral, with this, with this lottery. Rashi says the word ach begoral only through lot. The word ach, which means only, comes to tell us that there that, that there's a qualifier. In other words, it could have just said begoral It's with a goral. Why does it add the word ach? Ach is always a mute. It's always a qualifier. As Rashi tells us that it comes to exclude Joshua and Kalev, that they were not included in how it was divided, the general way of division, because as we see in the book of Judges. That Hebron was given to Kalev, right? One of the good spies. Two of the two of the twelve spies that were good were Kalev and Yeshua. So Kalev got as a reward Hebron, and Yeshua received his portion that he requested. So those were the exclusion, and that's hinted to in the word Ach. Verse fifty-six. Verse fifty-seven. Now the Torah begins to count the tribe of Levi. And so if we think about the structure of the Parsha, it gives us the counting of all the tribes except for Levi. Then it goes to the division of the land. Then it goes to the counting of the tribe of Levi. And the reason for that seems obvious because the tribe of Levi don't get a portion in the land. Therefore, the Torah talks about how many tribes there were, how many people were in each, how many people were in each tribe. The land is divided by that number. Now we get to the tribe of Levi which is not involved in the division of the land. These are the 57. These are the numbers of the Levites, according to their families, Gershon, Kahat, Merari. In verse 58, um, we have Kahat, who gives birth to Amram. And Amram is the father of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. 59. The wife of Amram is Yocheved, the daughter of Levi, who was born... To Levi in Mitzrayim, as Rashi tells us, she was born in Mitzrayim, but she, her, the she was, her, her mother was pregnant with her before they got to Egypt. So while they're going down to Egypt, Yocheved is going down to Egypt, but she's in the womb, and it's only once they enter the walls of Egypt that Yocheved is born, and she is the one who completes that number seventy, 
Because if you count, back in Genesis, if you count the number of people that are going out to Egypt, you only have 69. So who's the 70th? As Rashi told us back then, it is Yochebed who is born after they enter the, the, the walls of, of Egypt. Born to Aaron and, 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 um, and, and Yocheved gives birth to Aaron, Moshe, and Miriam, their sister. And Aaron has the sons Nadav, Aviu, Elazar, Nisamar. Nadav and Aviu die. This is verse 61. When they bring the strange fire. The Torah is reviewing all of this. As we saw also yesterday, the Torah reviews those who died um, beforehand. Verse 62. Those counted of them were 23,000. How many Levites were there? 23,000. Now here the Torah changes. Before it was talking about from 20 and above. But now when you talk about the tribe of Levi, it only talks It talks that they are counted from one month and upward. For they were not counted among the children of Israel. No inheritance was given them among the children of Israel. So when you talk about inheritance, that's when the number 20, age 20 and above is important. But when the Levites are not like being given a portion, they're counted differently. Verse 63, this was the census of Moshe and Al-Azhar, the Kohen, who counted the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Now here we have a very interesting verse. The verse says, 64, Among these there was no man who had been included in the census of Moshe and Aaron and when they counted the children of Israel in the Sinai desert. This is all new people. Meaning, we're at that point where all of the people of the original, um, those who left Egypt 20 and above, had passed away. This was a whole new generation. But Rashi says something fascinating. On the words it says, ish. There was no man. Rashi says, but there were women. The men of that generation had died, died out, but the women of that generation did not necessarily die out. Why not? Because the decree of the spies, the decree that came to the Jewish people because of the sin of the spies, did not apply to the women. In other words, it was after the sin of the spies when they said, we cannot go into the land, people are too powerful, that God says, okay, this generation is going to die. That only applied to the men of that generation, but not to the women. Why is that? Because, because the women cherished the land. They didn't fall for the story of the spies. It was the men who said, let us appoint a head and return to Egypt. Let us return, uh, appoint a leader and, and return to Egypt. We see that in, in the verses, one man said to another. So it was the men who had this reaction to the report of the spies. But the women, what did they say? As we're about to see, the daughters of Tzavchat say, we want a portion in the land. And that's why the story of the daughters of Tzalafchad is juxtaposed here because it's trying to say it was only the men who died but not the women and the reason for that is, is because the women cherished the land they didn't fall for the story of the spies verse 65 God had told them meaning the men that they would die in the desert and the only ones who were left were Kalev and Yeshua let's have a look at the story of these daughters of Tzalafchad very interesting story. This is Numbers chapter 27, verse 1. The daughters of Slavchad approached, they came close, to whom? Presumably to Moshe. 
And who was Tzlafchad? Torah gives his lineage. He was the son of Hefer, the son of Gilad, the son of Machir, the son of Minashe. And who was Minashe? Minashe ben Yosef. He was the son of Yosef. And Rashi is going to tell us why does it take it all the way back to Yosef? It's unusual. Let's finish the verse. This is the these are the names of his Tzlafchad's daughters: Machla, Noah, Chagla, Milka, and Tirza. Rashi asks, Lama Nemar, why does it say that he was the son of Menashe, the son of Yosef? We already know he's the son of Menashe. And we know Menashe is the son of Yosef. So Rashi tells us, Yosef Yosef cherished the land of Israel. How do we know that he cherished the land of Israel? Because what was his last will and testament? What did he tell his brothers before he died? He said, I'm going to die. He died at 110 years old. He told his brothers, Make sure you take, God is going to take you out of Egypt eventually. Make sure that my bones are taken out of Egypt, that I am buried in the land of Israel. So we know that he cherished the land of Israel and wanted to be buried there. His daughters, so now we're, we're comparing Yosef to his great, great, great granddaughters, the daughters of Tzlafchad, who also cherished the land of Israel. As we're going to see that they asked for a portion in the land. And it comes to tell you, what do, what, what do we know? Um, how do we how do we perceive these daughters of Tzlafchad? As we've seen in the first portion, the first aliyah of this of this portion of Pinchas, we talk about motive. You know, you see somebody doing something. What was motivating the daughters of Tzlafchad when they said, "We want a portion in the land of Israel"? You could say, "Well, you know, they're just standing up for themselves, standing up for their rights. They were feminists, perhaps, and so on and so forth." But Rashi tells us, really, this was coming from a very very righteous pure, saintly place. As Rashi says, that they were all saintly. How do we know this? Because when you look at somebody and you, you don't have, the Torah doesn't, doesn't give you, doesn't tell you exactly what was their motives, but it, it tells you about either them or their ancestors, that there was something good about them. So then we can assume, since the Torah is tracing them to Yosef, that's the Torah's way of telegraphing to us that just as Yosef was righteous, and we know that from his story, so too were his great-great-granddaughters righteous, and their approach here is coming from a place of righteousness. Rashi also tells us it works the opposite way, that when the Torah traces somebody to a um, negative ancestor, then we learn about them that they were that they were wicked. Rashi points out something here as well. He, he comments on the fact that when the Torah lists the six daughters of Tzlafchad, the sisters, it, some, it, it changes the order. In this verse it has it in one way. In another verse it has it in a different order. Rashi tells us that comes to teach us that they were all equal one to another. And that's why it changes the orders around. Why that's important, I'm not sure. I should say, I don't know. Verse 2, So they stand in front of Moshe. Interesting. The first verse just says they came close. It doesn't say, um, doesn't say where it came forward. They came forward. It just says they came forward. And it's in the second verse. It says they stand in front of Moses and in front of Elazar the Kohen and in front of the leaders and all of the congregation at the door, at the entrance of the Ol Moed, Lamor, saying, 
Rashi tells us the fact that it says that it's in front of Elazar, it was only after the death of Aharon that they come forward with this request. Even though it's something that they technically could have come come forward with earlier, they came only at the end, at the end of the 40 years. Let's skip that Rashi because we're running out of time. And what do they say? They say, Avinu meis bamidbar, our father died in the desert. And he was not among the congregation that was gathering against God among the people of Korach. Ki bechet o meis, it was by his own sin, he had his own story that he died. And we'll see two opinions in Rashi what exactly his sin was. Ubanim lo hayulo, he did not have any sons. What does Rashi say? They're trying to say, I'll tell you how the Rebbe explains it, that the, the people who died in the desert, typically they died because they had some problem with the land of Israel. They always complained, oh, we don't, we'd rather not go to Israel. We should have stayed in Egypt. And especially the people of Korach, they made these comments. So as the Rebbe explains, Rashi, the daughters of Safra were saying, our father died of a sin, but it wasn't a sin that involved complaining about the land of Israel uh, to the contrary, as we'll see in one of the opinions. And, and secondly, he did not cause others to sin in his sin. It was an isolated, quarantined sin, so to speak. Now Rashi gives two opinions of what his sin was. Rabbi Kiva says he was the one who gathered the wood on Shabbat, which had obviously nothing to do with the land of Israel. And Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says he was of the people who went ahead to try to go to the land of Israel after God had said, no, it's too late. So they had done teshuva. They wanted to go to the land of Israel. They had repented. They didn't listen to God who said, it's too late. But again, their sin was not, was not in, in an affront to the land of Israel. To the contrary, they wanted to go to the land of Israel. So what is their claim? They say, why should the name of our father be eliminated from his family because he has no son and what's what uh, the background is that that inheritance goes to the son in the biblical law they say our father has no son so give us the inheritance among the brothers of our father verse 5 so what does Moshe say he says okay so Moses brought their case before the Lord and Rashi tells us, Nisalma halacha mimenu, that Moses forgot the halacha. The halacha, as we'll see tomorrow, is that if there are no sons, the, the inheritance goes to the daughters. But, but Moshe forgot this law. He had already been taught it at Mount Sinai. So why doesn't he just say the law? The answer is, Rashi tells us, he forgot it. And this came as a punishment for him, a humbling for him, because he had said, he had made the statement that anything that is too difficult... You come and tell me, and I'll and I'll answer it. So it's kind of a humbling. Um, you, you're not going. You, he he forgets the law. Another explanation is that it wasn't a punishment for Moshe to forget it, but rather it was a gift to the daughters of Tzlafchad. In other words, it could have been written by Moshe, straightforwardly, like the other laws of the Torah. But the daughters of Tzlafchad, because of their righteousness, they merited that this portion of the Torah was written by them. So we see uh, this beautiful idea of the daughters of Tzlafchad who, who come to Moshe, which obviously takes a lot of courage to stand in front of the great leader of the Jewish people and ask for a portion of the land of Israel and, and come up with an idea that Moshe had not shared. So they were, they were, uh, it was a legal argument that they were making 
you make a strong argument. And as Rashi tells us, this comes from their great love of the land of Israel. And as Rashi tells us, it wasn't just them. It was, it was all of the women of that generation had this great love for the land of Israel. They cherished the land of Israel and therefore merited to go into the land of Israel. With that, we will pause and open it up to Q and A and C. Questions, answers, and comments. Well, certainly questions. I don't know if I know the answers, but we have questions and comments. Could I ask about something, uh, Rabbi? Sure. Um, it seems that um, the men, some of the men, followed Korach and, and the spies, and and were, were and all the men were punished for that. They couldn't enter the, the promised land. They couldn't enter Israel, so they were all punished for that in those, in those generations. The women, interested, it seems like that all of them, all of them had this. I would think intuition of wisdom not to follow that they knew somehow there was something wrong with that god rewarded them for that that's that's powerful is that how is that how that is absolutely that's that's the that's the case and we see it going all the way back to egypt in that the jewish the men particularly had kind of lost faith and were unable to hear moses promise that we're getting out of egypt don't worry about it um you know, have the faith, and the men couldn't hear it. It was the women who had the faith and were making sure that they continued to have children. Um, and they went, when they left Egypt, they had the tambourines, they were ready for it. So the other yeah, women in general had the faith that the women, that the men did not have. The men's, men seem more fickle than when the, the going gets tough, they, um, they can't handle it. Anybody else? Question? Comment? Prophecy? Prediction? <laughs> oh, just another thing. I was thinking that you, I think you said there they fought for seven years to conquer the, the state of Israel and, um, or the country of Israel. Um, you know, it's interesting how the divine said to them, this is your land. And in those days, it was accepted. You conquered land. That's how you took land. That's how you, you did it. But in this case, God was ordaining this. And in seven years, they won. It's a little different than just wanting to go in and take over for powerful needs, ego needs, which would be quite different. Right. That's an excellent point. It seems like the women... Um, it comes easier for them. I don't know. Like, you know, uh, Hashem said, here's what we're doing. And they are all about getting it done. Right. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we go. Okay, let's do it. You know, like, boom, there's no, I need to think about it. There's no, you know, it's just kind of like how they run women run their lives today. Like, let's get this done. We've got these things to do. Let's get those done. Boom. You know, we're not going to put any, I think it's a blessing for them to not, to it'd be easier for them not to put as much ego into it. It's more about get it done, you know, and they were doing the same thing. We've been told this, let's go, we're out of here. Let's have our, 
tambourines ready. Let's have, you know, get the bones lined up. Let's go. We're out, right? We're bringing, well, we're, we said we're going. And I imagine the women were, you know, I don't, it doesn't talk about it that I know, but when it, you know, when God said, go take the land, like I'd imagine there were, the women were like, I'm not sure why we need to send these spies out. God said, let's go. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, are we just hanging out here or what? You know, right, right. <laughs> let's yeah, go. Right. We got to get shops set up in there. We got to get families going, you know, all that. Anyway, so it seemed kind of interesting. Yeah, beautifully said that, that, uh, yeah, they were able to stay, stay focused and reminded me of the commenter of Clay Akar who says, that when they sent, it says that they sent men as spies. So he commented that had they sent women, they would have come back with a very different report. So that's excellent way of putting it. I see Bruce, you've got your hand up. Yes, I've uh, heard and read repeatedly that it took seven years to conquer the land and seven years to divide it. Yeah. And then I also heard, but it took two to 300 years to settle it. And do you know a difference between conquering it and settling it? I'm not sure. I've never heard that. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means to 300 years to settle it. Uh, can I ask something, Rebuchi? Sure. Uh, looks like to me that if all the men died and that will be a lot of widows that came to land of Israel. So... Right. Maybe, uh, maybe that comes that you know the kids supposed to be taking care of the parents or something like that. Because normally, you know, they say you have to have pity of the widow and all that. But if you know uh, thousands of widows will come there, you know, and uh, who right. was supporting them, you know. So this is probably something to, to teach, you know, Jewish uh, kids or men that you know they have to take care of the Yiddish <laughs> mama. Yiddish imam, that's, that's my point, you know, so right. you can imagine how many people came and then they don't have any support, you know, don't have husbands. Right, right, but yeah, I think in those days it was very common, you know, even today in some cultures, you know, the, the, uh, the parents, the inter, intergenerational homes, so, but that's a very, yeah, it's a good point that you had all of these bubbies coming into the land. A yeah. Beautiful, beautiful idea. All right, gentlemen, well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and conquer your land. <laughs> we all have our land of Israel to conquer. Thank you, Rebusi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you tomorrow. Zai gesund. Zai gesund. Zai gesund.